1: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is believe.
0: Heat Nation, welcome into Believe in Miami Heat. I'm your host, Joey Levin, and guys, we're gonna get right into it today. There's no teases, no plugs, because we have a Miami Heat legend joining us on our first show of the off season. Three time NBA champion, but most notably to all of you, a member of the 2006 Miami Heat championship team, 20 year NBA vet as a coach and a player. And now, jumping into the podcast world with me, with his new show, <laughs> Posecast, which I love. James Posey joins the show. James, thanks for joining us. How's life going as a podcaster?
1: Thanks for having me, uh, man. It's, uh, it's going, it's, it's a learning experience, you know, with uh, basketballnews.com uh, gave me an opportunity to, uh, to do the podcast thing, the postcast, I should say. Yeah. And so I'm just, I'm just learning and, uh, just trying to get better,
0: you know? Oh, I gotta imagine like, so I, I worked, you, you probably, you haven't know, we're, we're just meeting for the first time. So I'll give you a little background on me too. I actually worked in the NBA as a video coordinator and a video scout for about six years. So when right. I was in the league, I couldn't imagine. And and obviously when I say in the league working behind the scenes, not in the league like you, but I can't even I couldn't even imagine back then because I wanted to be a coach. The idea of publicly getting on a microphone and talking about the game, about my experiences and stuff like that. And then I did the switch into media and it's such a weird it's such a different thing. Like, is it strange for you? Just I know you could talk hoop all day, but talking to, you know, now it's being recorded and it's a little different. It's got to be a weird experience.
1: Yeah, it's a little different. Uh, I mean, I've always been camera shy, so uh, I'm breaking the ice of, of sitting in front of the, you know I'm saying, the camera now and talking. And even with that, you know, uh, wasn't always the most vocal guy, but uh, I'm coming out of my shell a little bit. So um, the 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 guys that I had on my show, they're, they're, they've been helping me a lot, you know what I'm saying, as far as the back and forth, the conversation and, uh, you know, talking about you know, hoops, like you said. So, right. Uh, like I said, I'm, I'm. it's on the job training and learning for myself, but I'm having a great time doing so.
0: Absolutely. And the show's great. For those of you who haven't heard it yet, Posecast, Ray Allen, Antoine Walker, Eddie House. I was just listening to that one today. So Heat Legends also on the show with Pose. So go check it out. It's amazing. But all right. So I want to hit this year's team with you. I want to hit your time in the league. But there is something I wanted to talk about that's near. It's a little bit near and dear to my heart about you that I wanted to get your take on before we start talking about the Heat specifically. So when I think James Posey, I think obviously 2006 finals, Miami Heat. I think 3 and D guy before 3 and D guy was the thing in the league, right? Like that wasn't always the name for it. But you were one of those guys. But I also think one of the goats of the high socks, the high knee socks, right? And, I, and I'm wondering now when you when I look – because when I was young, I couldn't really play. But when I played, I wore high socks because I liked them. I thought they were cool. And then in the 2006 finals, I'm watching you and Jet, two of the goats of the high socks. So I, then I started wearing them again during my intramurals. But I wanted to know like – what do you what's your take on now guys there is no more high socks it's those long compression like like uh compression tights. pants that guys wear the tights how what do you think about they basically they've taken away your socks man they, they eliminated it. it's not the tights
1: <laughs> well for me it was uh it, it started in denver and so um uh we, we had a little uh losing stretch in, in denver and so our captain's uh Uh, Nick Van Exel and Antonio McDice. they said, man, we got to, you know, we got to shake the fuck or whatever. And so they said, we're going to do a headband and you know, send high socks or whatever. So uh, we do it for a game. We win. We start winning a couple in a row. Then things didn't happen. We stopped winning. And then some guys, they they aborted mission. And I said, you know what? You know, I'm going to stay with it. And then with that, my mom, she would able, she would be able to see me when I was in a game. So she knew I, I was the only one that had the high socks on, oh. so she knew she'd know when I when I was in a game. And so from that point on, I just continued to wear them because I'm like, well, if she's watching the game, she'll know when I'm in, you know saying when I'm in the game. So I just stuck with it, and I stuck with that in the headband. So that's where my high socks thing story come from.
0: That's amazing because I was actually gonna, my my follow up was going to be like, was it was there a reason for it that it, like a functionality thing or if it was just like a good luck or something? Like that. So that's a cool story. That that's interesting to know because I, <laughs> yeah. I wonder like. I wonder if guys have eliminated it because of the low tops a little bit. So now they wear the tights because there's more low – because back in the day, everyone was wearing high tops. Now they wear low tops a lot more, right?
1: Mm-hmm, yeah. I mean, you had high tops to, to me. It wasn't nobody playing. And he's like – I said he's low top, low cut shoes. Right. Uh, so, yeah, for myself, it was just like I said, that, that's the reason why I had my high socks.
0: That's amazing. So, all right, let's talk about this This past – this this NBA finals that just happened. Lakers win, obviously. But the Heat, what what an incredible run, Right. But mm-hmm. I think Heat fans probably obviously they know your connection to the Heat, right? You you played on that 2006 team so UD is still on the Heat. Chris Quinn's on the mm-hmm. bench. You played for Riley. Spo was an assistant. I think they also know that you were teammates with Rondo, right? And mm-hmm. on that 2018 team, but then they probably don't realize you played for Frank Vogel at the end of your career. And you were an assistant in Cleveland and won a title with LeBron and Jr. And Dion and Jay Crowder were on that team, too. You had a ton of connections to this year's NBA Finals. What's it like watching a series like that where you have so many, so many, so many of your boys, former teammates, friends, I'm sure to this day, you're watching them play against each other for an NBA championship?
1: Uh, well, uh, I mean, it's been amazing to watch, like I said, just, uh, you know, for the heat uh, to able to get back to the Finals. Uh, out of everything that's been going on. And you, you look at their roster. Uh, they really gave themselves a chance this year. Uh, and then coming back to the bubble, you know, really making sure they 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 made an imprint on the games there. And they played hard. And, um, you know, that's the credit to them and what they thought they wanted to get out of the season. And they took advantage of it. Um, to see all the other guys, uh, it was a great, uh, great to see. Um, you talk about Rondo winning the championship with Rondo and, you know, him being a point guard. Uh, and showing his uh, his veteran leadership and his his IQ uh, along with LeBron James. Uh, that's, man, that, that right there goes a long way. People don't understand that. Um, so I was happy to see him win. Uh, and then of course, you know, LeBron James, you know, uh, one of the all time greats and he's, you know, at it again, you know of what I'm course. saying? I mean, never get tired of seeing him in the finals and you can never really bet against them. And I can say I didn't bet against them because, you know, or well, I did, better guess, him because of the heat, but, <laughs> Right, right. You know what I'm saying? But at the end of the day, that was a fine line, but it was uh, good to see him there again. And then a lot of the other guys, just their first-time experience uh, being on a big stage and also, you know, being able to win. And I just remember that for myself uh, in 06, you know, my first rodeo at, at the whole playoff series and then just getting to the finals and just wondering how I would perform, you know, in those in those games. And, you know, to win at the highest level, you know those memories that you'll never forget, and you look at a d you know what he's been through to come back and to win his first chip you know what I'm saying that's one that he had cherished, and uh, the other guy's just having those opportunity as well
0: yeah, of course, so spo, I want to talk about spo, so he was an assistant when you were in miami, young spo right young spo did, did you think did you was there anything that stuck out to you as an assistant before he became a head coach that made you think that this guy one day not only is going to be a good coach, he's going to be one of the best coaches in the NBA championship level coach.
1: Well, with Spo, he, uh, you know, he, he did a great job of uh, preparing us for our games. You know, he did a lot of our scouts. And that's one thing he made sure that we were prepared and he was always prepared for everything. And I think just, you know, uh, over the course of the years, uh, you know, Riles, of course, seeing him and seeing his growth and seeing that, you know, he's a leader as well. Uh, when he stepped down, it was only right to give Spo that opportunity. And now Spo has the opportunity. Uh, he's been there. He's been doing a great job. You know, had a few ch- championships under his belt as well. But um, he's, he's well deserving of it. He's worked hard. Uh, he was also doing, you know, some player development at the time too. He spent a lot of time with D Wade. Um, so. It was just uh, you know just a matter of time, but I think they got the right guy in Spo in doing so.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You got any uh, young Spo stories? Because you know, like guys when they're assistant coaches, they're a little looser. You know, you got it when you're front facing, you're the guy in front of the media all the time. You got to be a little more buttoned up. But when you're a young guy, you're a coach. (laughs) There might be some. You might be a little little uh, little looser. You got anything for me?
1: Well, it's funny because Spo he used to like. You know you can see it on his face and just like his hair he would just be sweating he'll be so intense in the game and things like that and now i see him he's so cool calm and collective you know what i'm saying it's mm-hmm. like yo i don't even think he sweats no more that's so- uh, <laughs> but you know back then as an assistant you know he was he was you know locked and focused in the game and like i said you could tell by his hair now i think he sort of took on the pat riley look where you know every hair is in place you know what i'm saying <laughs> And he still has that you know that that image of on as a coach you know what I'm saying like rouse
0: yeah he's like a he's like mini pat that's why he uh, that's why he <laughs> tabbed him, right um uh, so right. th- th- this team right you mentioned just the 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 youth and the, just the pieces and the way they they ended up putting together let's let's talk i want to push it forward a little a tiny bit because i don't know if you saw this espn.com does their like way too early nba power rankings for next season mm-hmm. they put miami ninth. can you put miami fans Minds at ease. That's crazy, right?
1: Listen, I mean, <laughs> I guess knife I mean, ninth compared to, I guess, whatever. You could mean anything lower than that. But right. um, it's I mean, it's still early. I mean, they had a great run. You have to see what the offseason holds, uh, if there are going to be any major changes for them or are they stuck with their roster in itself? Um, I think for uh, the young pieces that they had, I think that this was a great experience for themselves. And now it's only going to get better. You know, their confidence is going to grow and they feel they, and know that they can compete at a high level. And so now it's just a matter of, of, of getting it uh, getting it, um, or doing it for a second year in a row to try to get back to the promised
0: land. Do you think playing in the bubble and not getting to experience the playoffs the way it normally is, traveling, playing on the road, and any of that is a not necessarily a detriment to the development of these young guys, but it's not really what... What it you know? It's great to play in the NBA championship, but it's not the NBA championship as it's going to be for the rest of their career.
1: Oh, it's the NBA championships because you, you. I mean, you play in these games. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, the teams that made it, you still had to go out there, you still had to win, um, and so like it, it is for a championship. Um, so for them, um, I mean, it it might have been a good thing where they were just locked in one location; they didn't have to travel. So that could be a, a good thing where uh, even. You know, you say if you lose a game just as a team, you're always banking on going home and winning. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you know, right. we lost on the road. We get back home. Like, we're just supposed to win. You just have that belief, belief in that confidence. Um, so, I mean, next year things change, you know, to get the full experience of it uh, at that level. You know, it, it could be taxing, but uh, that's something it, they should, you know, just prepare themselves for. But I think confident wise as far as playing, they are have. They have the highest confidence going right now. And they just have to carry it over.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So you, when you in the, in the NBA, you were 18th, right? 18th pick in the draft. Yes. Right. So going from a guy who wasn't a top five, top ten lottery pick to becoming a two time, three time NBA champion with your with your co- your championship with the Cavs as a coach. Seeing the way this team was built, right? Jimmy's a late first rounder bam and and tyler are late lottery guys everybody you know jay crowder's a second round pick does it give you more of an appreciation for what they did this run they did with they didn't have that this these top five top two top three picks on this team this was a team put together of i mean scrappy guys with something to prove and obviously bam and tyler hero looked overlooked they're super talented but seeing a team like this put together like that, is there more of an appreciation for being a former, like late first rounder who went on to win multiple championships?
1: Uh, That's a credit to, you know, Spo and Peral, you know, finding the right players for their system and getting the most out of them. And, uh, you know, just playing there, you're going to play hard, you're going to compete, and, um, you know, you're always going to give yourself that chance to win. And I think just with the group of guys that they have, I think everything matched, you know, they had the toughness, you know what I'm saying? They had the skilled guys in the position, you know what I'm saying? So they they checked all the boxes uh, for Pat Riley team, uh, and or I could say Spole team as well. Um, but um, just the the grind, like you don't understand just how even the practices are competitive. So now when you get in the game, the games are, are, are easier. I mean, they're a little easier. And then when you talk about the, the talent, um, where they don't have the, the true superstar like some teams have, uh, you know, you give Jimmy Butler, you know, give him a lot of credit where he had an opportunity to open more people's eyes as, as far as his capabilities and what he could do. Um, and then just to do it on both ends of the floor, you know what I'm saying, that that speaks volumes of the development that they have down there in Miami.
0: Yeah, well, I was going to bring up. that. I mean, it's the culture, right? Heat culture, and I think Heat fans and Heat players have always known about the Heat culture. I think this season, in particular, the way they made it to the, this run that they made, it be it made Heat culture into sort of a household thing. People now are talking about Heat culture, and I know you talked about on your show, even with Tuan and with uh, Eddie House. You guys talked about Heat culture. What? Tell me. Heat, tell me about Heat culture. Just, just. Break it down for me as a guy who went through it, won a championship under heat culture, like what what, what do we need to know about heat culture from a player
1: uh, it's It's a challenge for every individual, mentally and physically, and this also uh, has to do with a great sacrifice of of yourself and then of your teammates to make everything work. Um, before I get there, it, you're afraid of it because you don't know really what it is and what to expect. But uh, as years gone by, you understand what it is and what it's about. And like I said, between the, the mental and physical part of it, that's it. You know, as far as not not bending or breaking for anything, uh, caring for your teammates, and it's about winning and doing it together. And I think this team right here was, is another example of, of that. Um, so along the way, like I said, it, it sacrifices you have to make it, whether it's minutes, uh, your, your, um, your role on the team. And once you understand that and accept your role, it becomes fun and it becomes challenging and you challenge each other. Um, and that's the beauty of it. And you don't get that with a lot of organizations, uh, because they're not as strong as the organizations from top to bottom when you look at it.
0: Yeah. They, they mentioned, I think on the broadcast, it was, it was Jeff Van Gundy who mentioned like. You know, organizations around the league, they see teams like the Heat and or the way they're run, or they see teams maybe like San Antonio. I don't know much about their organization, but they see that you can be successful doing things a certain way, Heat culture, but then they don't do it. But you've been with a bunch of organizations. What is it about... I mean, I was with the Grizzlies, which you, you were there, but I was there at a different time. You were there with Jerry West and Hubie and all those guys. I was there with Chris Wallace. And my guy, I mean, look, I love uh Lionel. Lionel was my first head coach I ever worked I know, for, right? so that's my guy. But Memphis no. was a little different when I was there. But And then I was with the Hornets. We all know Hornets have had their struggles over the years. What is it about d- these organizations? They look at teams, and there's a blueprint, obviously. Why don't other organizations want to follow along with a clear blueprint of being successful? Even in the down years, you're not down, right?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, it's the... Uh they want to rush the process in, in a sense, but then, like I said, having the um, the trust from top to bottom where you could talk about uh, Mickey Aronson, you know what I'm saying? you know, When he brought in Pat Riley, just believing in his vision and sticking with it, you know, not even when things were rough, just not abandoning ship and, and start from scratch, but actually believing in that vision for a long time. And, and you brought up San Antonio. I've I never played in San Antonio, but that's sort of similar, the other, only – other organization I could think of that's sort of like Miami, uh, where they do it by committee and the type of guys that they bring in. So um, I, I think that's that's always key. And um, you talk about revolving doors as far as you know uh, the coaching goes. You know, you don't see that you know in Miami. You didn't see it in San Antonio. So actually believing and trusting in the guys that you bring in there, and then the overall vision, uh, that's key. And then it's, it, it's no rush you know what I'm saying it's no rush and people put uh the emphasis on like a quick turnaround well it doesn't happen like that for everybody unless you got some talent that's just off the charts you know what I'm saying and you got to have you know what I'm saying a couple of the top 10 players in the league to actually give yourself a chance but um if you're about you know the grind and the work ethic and over time you know Right into the top, then you give yourself a chance. And that's what uh, those two franchises have done uh, the Heat and the Spurs.
0: Yeah. And I think also they both, just from a talent evaluation standpoint, not just going out, like you said, and getting multiple stars, but finding those guys, knowing how to evaluate the guys that fit the culture and what you're doing as a team. Like this year, it's whether it's Duncan Robinson or Kendrick Nunn or Tyler Hero with the 13th pick. And then, you know, even in 2006 going to the Eastern Conference Finals, losing in the Eastern Conference Finals, and then going out and getting you, Tuan, Jason Williams, Gary, like just knowing the guys that you can bring in to fit that culture. It's a, it's a, it's a, I mean, as an assistant coach now, having been an assistant coach for a few years and working in Cleveland, it's obviously, it's pretty tough to evaluate. Is it tough, do you think, to evaluate the right type of player and person for a certain culture?
1: Well, I mean, if you're there long enough to establish that culture, then you know it should right. it shouldn't be it shouldn't be that hard. And you know, like you just said, it, most teams or organizations they they don't allow that window. You know, it's you know you give it three to four years, if that, and then they're on to something else or so the new best thing. Where you know those those teams like the Heat and the Spurs, they're always there. You're always talking about them because of what they they put out there on the floor and how they go about it
0: yeah for sure so i've mentioned 2006 so let's 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 take it back let's take it back a little bit let's let's reminisce a little bit so actually let's start with i want to start with the trade right so that off season 2000 after the 2004-2005 season you get traded in that big trade i think it was mainly for it was it was a bunch of pieces moving around for and Anto- uh, after listening to the show uh, with you and Antoine, it was 6
1: it was 6 it was 16 players 16 yeah something players.
0: like it was like the biggest trade in nba history you get you end up in Miami with Antoine Walker, Jason Williams. I, I think you sort of alluded to this on your show, but talk about it. You you saw the Heat the year before, right? Go to the Eastern Conference Finals, losing seven games. You guys all get brought in. Is your immediate thought like, "Oh, we're winning a championship this year. We're coming here to win a championship."
1: Well, it wasn't, you know, like I didn't I didn't really know where the, what the what to think at the time if we're going to win, but they brought us in to finish to get the job done. And so, um, like I said, being included in that trade, it was me and Jay Will. We came from Memphis and then uh, Antoine Walker, you know what I'm saying? And then you really don't know about any other other pieces. And then, you know, you get uh, Gary Payton and things like that. So it was a lot of player movement, but we got there. But like I said, even then it was like one of those things where they brought us there, believing that we can win or help them win a championship. And so, you know, not knowing, like I said, it was my first rodeo period just as far as just sitting in the playoffs where in Memphis we have been to the playoffs those two years, but we got swept, you know what I'm saying? Right. So, you know, that's a, a crazy experience. But to actually play for something, that whole season was was totally different. And so the guys that was in that trade that landed in Miami, you you pretty much knew that you were there to to actually to win it all it was just a matter of doing so
0: did you and Antoine know each other like were you guys boys before the trade because it when in the conversation you had it made it seem like was it just you guys connected by being traded at the same time because you talked about how like that first that first uh, night you guys went out after the press conference and then you guys were having a drink and then realized oh damn we got to do the body fat thing (laughs) like so it seemed like you guys were pretty close that year
1: well, I knew I knew, knew uh, Tuan from from afar. Uh, they used to have uh, in the off season in Chicago. Uh, he had this little charity thing that he put on, and I used to, you know, partake in the games and things like that. uh the, the charity work that he was doing in Chicago, and so we just, you know, we would speak and we small talk then. So we just knew of each other a little bit, but our relationship grew once we got to Miami uh, and. You know, we had a great time down there, but like I said, that first night after after the uh, <laughs> after the press conference, oh, uh, it, it was it was it was crazy because it was like I said, it was the start of that heat culture that we dreaded and that we knew nothing about. So right then and there, we was like, oh shit, like oh man, like <laughs> what what do we get ourselves into? But I mean, we were happy and excited at the same time, and and that's where the change
0: started. Yeah, and he said he said, listen, everybody, go listen to this interview because it, it's it's amazing, but. He said you guys put Miami on the map in terms of athletes going out and, and getting after it. Because he said before before you, and, and he said you two were the ones, right? He said before you guys, it wasn't really like athletes out in Miami. Miami was always a party town, but it wasn't really like athletes out there like that. He said you guys put Miami on the map for that.
1: Well, without throwing other guys under the bus at the time. So since it was our conversation, so yeah, it, it was me and Twine. But uh, it was one of those things where even, even – uh, before I, I got there, I would say, man, how can how can they play down here? Like it was it's so much. You know what I'm saying? Nightlife, everything's going on. Like how can you do that and focus and play it? Man, but the
0: South Beach um, flu, right? The South
1: Beach flu. Oh <laughs> yeah. And so uh for like it was like wow. Like um we, we was able to be ourselves even though Rouse, you know, you know he wasn't a big fan of it for the most part, but I think it, it helped keep our sanity a little bit, and I don't think we abused the situation. So when you say we were out, you know what I'm saying, at the clubs or whatever, like, you know, we did that, but at the end of the day, we also knew we had to perform, you know, game night, and we knew why we were there, uh, you know, and that was to win a championship, you know what I'm saying, so it's just a matter of doing it. So, you know, I'm glad we did win it, because if not, then people were like, yeah, because they asked us in the club all the time when he was doing this, so right, exactly. <laughs> I'm happy it worked out in our favor. Well,
0: what was your first meeting with Pat Riley like?
1: Uh do you remember? I mean it, it it was I mean it was um um when we had our press conference really And, you know you just hear stories from afar um and to actually being his presence it sort of gives you chills a little bit like oh man and you know how the aura around Pat Riley you know being a god or whatever like that it's like man like one, he speaks highly of me to think I could help him win a championship. So that was my first take. Like, man, he brought me in, you know what I'm saying, thinking I could help. And then, um, you know, just this preparation. Because he was still, you know, a, he was present. He wasn't even our coach. He was standing right under yep. so, so you still, you know, you feel it. You know, you just feel his presence. And so, it, you know, it was, you know, a handshake, uh, a welcome, and it's time to get to business. And that was pretty much all he pretty much said. <laughs> and then that was it
0: yeah you might like you feel it all he has to that's all he has to say is it's time to get to business let's do this to, yep. he, he seems cool like obviously he's he's about his business and all that but like you even mentioned on the uh, you mentioned how in 2006 he was partying with you guys after you won the title he seems like he's about his business but off. but when it's time to you know when it's time to kick back riles is a pretty cool dude
1: yeah, I mean, you just you just see him. And when you see pictures of him, I mean, he's just about his business. He's always locked in and focused. And, and I think, I mean, with anybody, you win at the highest level. And for him to, you know, come from L.A. to come to Miami and win then, like, that's the best feeling in the world. And for him, you're going to celebrate. And that's what you, like, you had the chance to win. You better enjoy it and celebrate it because it's hard to do. And I think for him, it was one of those, like, you know, he did it. He did it with another organization. It was our first championship, so uh, he's going to live it up. And um, that's something he has that side. I think just even watch him now over the course of the years, you know, he's still locked in, but I think he's loosened up a little bit because you see images of him, you know I'm saying, um, in the bubble up top, you know, just high-fiving it. Yeah. It's more smiles on his face where back then he really, like, he didn't smile that much. He might have been smiling in the inside, but he—you never really saw him just smiling and and just like he was enjoying the whole process in a sense, because he's always just so locked in, and he knows what it's about at the end of the day, and it's about winning.
0: I know you—you you said you said there was times where you would say what's up to him, and he wouldn't even say what's up back. Like I, I when I was in college, I worked for a, I worked for a head coach Leonard Hamilton at Florida State, who did the same thing, because he was so locked in all the time. He's like you like what's up, coach, and he just keep walking. But it wasn't because it was disrespecting because, like, once you were in his circle, they loved you. But there was just something about the locked in, the focus, the minds are all, all over the place. Like, they're just like, they might not even have even heard you.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, no, it, it's crazy because uh, we were on the road. And like I said, it was the we we're in the elevator. He was on there. And so I got on. So I'm, getting on. like, you know, good morning, coach. What's up? And he just didn't say anything to me. And so, you know, like I said, we're probably like on the 10th floor. You know what I'm saying? But we're going down. And he didn't say anything. He just, you know, he was looking straight ahead like this. And we got to the bottom, to the lobby. We got on the bus, went to practice. And that was it. And then you figure out, like, later on, (laughs) later on that day, you know, after everything, it's like, what's up, Pose? I'm like, shit, Rob, I just (laughs) spoke to you early this morning. You ain't want to speak to me. I I thought I did something. You know what I'm saying? But that was just Rouse. He was always locked in. And that was just something that you knew about him. Like it was about business.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So when you you get there, you obviously were aware of what the heat did the year before. And you saw, I mean, everybody, D Wade was an all-star in his second year. And that, that, that Eastern conference finals run, then you get to Miami. How quickly did you realize what he could become in this league? When you saw, when you played with him, when you practiced with him, when you played with him in games that year in Miami?
1: Well, I mean, it, you, you could tell by the, the season, like how that season ended for for him and for the heat that they were hungry for this next season to start. And that's how he approached practice. And like I said, it was more like he was more locked in, more focused, and he was just waiting for that another opportunity. And I've seen him countless hours in a gym with Spo. you know what I'm saying, before practice, after practice. And uh, he actually just put in that time and that grind of, of working on his game, and so just as the season went on, I mean it, it wasn't a surprise, but it was like I was I was a big fan as well. Like man, look, psh, this D. way he killing. Like you know, <laughs> he's doing it however you want to. And just think, at the time, he wasn't even a big three-point shooter, so he was doing everything getting to the basket. He had a nice mid-range game, little bank shot off the glass, and he just could. I mean, he could do it all. Very athletic, you know, he dunking and finishing you know, on people. And so it was like, wow. And, you know, during that season, you know, we weathered the storm. We get to the finals on the biggest stage. And that's what he's been waiting for, too. I mean, we, we rolled his coattail. You yeah. know, he had a phenomenal, like, series and run. And nobody could stop him. Like, nobody could stop him.
0: Yeah, and before we talk, I want to get to that, that series next, the, the the 2006 finals. But uh, what what was it like coaching him for a cup of coffee in Cleveland, coming full circle like that? <laughs> um it, it, it was it had to be a weird year had to be a weird year
1: it, it of course it was weird because now I'm on the other side you yeah. know what I'm saying I'm, I'm not his teammate now I'm, I'm coaching I'm trying to help him uh but at that time you know he's already a vet you know and most vets are already stuck in their ways uh they understand the process and, and what it's going to take um so um I mean it, it wasn't it wasn't tough for the most part but it was just like managing that and it was another opportunity for you know for him and brown to play together and to try to win a championship in cleveland and then things just did happened happen that way and of course the the business side took over everything where you know he wasn't there no more
0: yeah of course so all right so 2006 finals you guys go down 2-0 what's the what's the conversations that are being had with it amongst you guys, amongst the, the coaching, st- the coaches to you guys, you guys as players, like down two zero in the finals, that sparked, you know, reel off four straight and win a title. That that's that's kind of unheard of at the time. Going down two zero and coming back and winning four in a row is is pretty incredible.
1: Well, actually, it wasn't even a lot of talking. It was it was a lot of. You know, second-guessing yourself and your abilities and things like that and just <laughs> being in shock, like, man, <laughs> we get here and we down zero two. 2 So amongst ourselves, it wasn't too much talking, but we did have great leadership presence, and that was in Shaq and Rouse. You know, they never wavered. Um, they kept everything positive, kept, you know, saying working. You know, we got to work hard. You know, we're doing it by committee, and we just have to win the next game. And and that was you know once we once we left Dallas that was pretty much the message we just gotta win the next game we're going home just win the next game, and then with with that it was like before we even got on the plane and landed back in Miami, you know it's disrespectful to hear that they're in a parade, and I think a lot of guys took that like to heart like oh y'all just gonna you know count us out like that like okay well you know that that add more fuel to the fire. And so when we get back to Miami, and like I said, that's the difference of, you know, you talk about the bubble now where you owe two on the road, and we like, man, let's get home. We get, I know we going to win one. Like, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? You just get that confidence, and um, that confidence along with that sense of urgency. And so that's what we had. And then once we got the first win, it's like, okay, well, we're not going to get swept. So now whatever we did this game, we got to do it, you know, 10 times harder for the next game. And that's what we did. And then you know, we, we tied 2-2. Two, two. Now it's a different ball game. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. now we take the lead. Now we go 3-2. Now we feeling real good about ourselves. You know what I'm saying? It was one of those things where even Shaq and Rouse they didn't let us get too high. Even when we, when we tied it up and we went ahead, you know, it's still, you know, because, you know, the same thing could happen. We still had to go back to Dallas. You know what I'm saying? So it was like just take care of our business. But for us, man, we we actually took advantage of that, uh, those wins at home, and then our confidence was off the chain. And it was like, we're right here, so let's go get it. And that's what we did. We locked we locked in, and uh, we was able to go back to Dallas and win it all.
0: Yeah, I was, uh, you know, it's interesting. I was talking to someone you know well who says hello, Tony Fiorentino, earlier today. All right, and uh say hello, he, yeah, coach is coming on the show next week, so I'll tell him you say hello, but he cool. you know we were talking about I mentioned you were coming on, and we were talking a little bit about that two thousand and six team, and he reminded me about game six three min- about three thirty left in the game, Dallas cuts the lead to three d wade elbow pick and roll, they're doubling him, he hits you in the corner for that corner three to go up six, and that kind of. It, it it didn't always, it didn't necessarily seal it because then they cut it to 2 and then you came back and had another bucket off the bounce floater which is floater. not that you can't not not that you not that you can't do it but that's not really what you were known for right so and then you so you put Miami up by 4 so you had two you had five straight points huge buckets in crunch time you know i think people in the lore of Miami Heat they all, everybody always remembers the Ray Allen shot Right, because it it tied up the Series A go up and win. But that's a closeout game with three minutes left in the game. What's going through your mind? And plus, not to mention, not that Dirk is any kind of athlete, but you got a seven-footer closing out to you from the block on that shot. What's going through your mind in a situation like that? Because not everybody's built for that.
1: Well, the crazy thing about it, everybody was probably throwing stuff at the TV at the time because I couldn't make the whole – like, I couldn't make. And you know what I'm saying? So, of course, as a player – You know, it's in your head like, man, I I can't make. So you start feeling some type of way. Um, And then that situation, you had D-Way coming off a, you know, a pick and roll, middle pick and roll, roll, get to the elbow. And, you know, he's very capable of making that shot, but it it was the trust that he had in me to pass me the ball again and I was able to make. And for me, it was just, you know, locking into the fundamentals of my shot. And, you know, just still believing I can make it with just a little doubt. But, you know, I – at the time, it went back to the basics for me and I was able to knock it down. And that's why when you see it, that's why I hold my follow through and I point all the way down because I was like, I finally made one. And you know, if you look at the time of the the game, it was like, it was perfect timing for that. Mm -hmm. And then with the floater, it was almost like one of those, I got caught with the ball in in a bad situation. So I drive and I knew Shaq's there, but I'm saying, let me just put it on the rim. And so I shot a little floater there too. And hoping, so hoping if you
0: I, is hoping if you miss it, he'll go get it, right? Yeah, <laughs> so I wouldn't make it. Like you said,
1: that floater wasn't my game, but I was hoping just to get it on the rim, and I knew Big Fella was down there to clean it up. And then it's it's crazy because even before, like we could have silted a little earlier. I think way was at the free throw line,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and he missed, he missed the free one. throw. Yeah, yep. And me and Udonis, we both grabbed the rebound, and we finally we got caught for traveling. So. We just if we didn't have that. We'd have had another possession, and then you know we probably would have scored. You know we probably would have scored, but those three plays like there just stick out. You know it for for different meanings.
0: Yeah, the crazy thing about that game, and I think it kind of speaks to the Heat culture, right? We talked about it is at with six minutes left in the fourth quarter of that game, with the chance to close it out. You guys are tied, and mm-hmm. in those last six minutes, you guys score sixteen points. You only win by three, but you and UD. Scored nine of the last sixteen points, and you're the only two players on the team to hit to score, make a field goal. D. Wade had seven oh. points at the line, but you two <laughs> were the ones who were hitting shots. He was scoring at the line. I think that sort of speaks to the way you know the trust and the culture that you guys built. That in a situation like that, for the first championship in franchise history, not it's not D. Wade, it's not Shaq, it's James Posey and Udonis Haslam making the biggest shots.
1: Well, I, I didn't even know that, but. Um, that just goes from the guy's work ethic and the trust that we built all season long and the guys putting in the work, you know, individually on their craft. And so, uh, like I said, the trust, you know, with D-Wade making that pass, even knowing I was struggling, but he still trusted me enough um, that I can make the shot and he passed me the ball. And then, of course, UD, you know what I'm saying? It's big-time shots, you know what I'm saying? And then you got to think about down the stretch defensively, we we bunkered down defensively and alonzo zo so he had you know some great blocks you know he was there weak side helping things like that and, and you know it was it was just i mean a great team effort but that was the grit and the grind of of just the culture of, of the heat
0: yeah there's it just unbelievable the best best season in franchise history regardless of what you think about those other two titles that that's the moment that put miami heat on the map um i really appreciate man you've been so so gracious with your time. I got a couple more, like a couple fun ones that I want to throw at you before before I let you go, all right? So that team, right. right? That team. Mentioned Gary Payton's on that team. You got Shaq. You got Zo. Jay will You, Antoine Walker. GP's legendary for his talk. We know Shaq can talk. We know Zoe can talk. Who was the guy on that team that that talked the most that had the best trash talk game i mean gp is legendary like everybody says he's the best so I might be him but who was the guy on that team that you're like god this dude he he just he just crushes people
1: (laughs) i'm gonna say gp because he talks loud and it's just like yo man like yo just shut up sometimes (laughs) or whatever but i mean it's not even shut up it's just yo why you talking so loud g and he's just into it you know what i'm saying and, but it, i mean just sitting around those guys they always talking about you know who got the best of who you know saying between shaq you know zo and, and, and gp so it, it was just funny to hear that and like i said with gp he's just gonna out talk everybody because he's so loud and you know who has that energy just to keep loud talking like <laughs> for 30 minutes like it's it's crazy just sitting there like you know before the games or in the locker room or on a bus like nobody has that energy but gp to talk like that. So
0: even at I would that, say he would win. Even at that point in his like that was towards the end of his career, man. He wasn't even starting, right? Like that was late. Like he had to go to that team to get that title. Like that, that I and mean, he's still talking like that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, of course, because I mean, he's he's talking about with, I mean, his prime, his years before Miami, like, you yeah. know, he's actually talking. And like I said, with that, he's talking loud. It's like, yo. So it, it, was, it was funny. So, I mean, even in that short time, You know, that's that's GP being GP
0: now in terms of personality, not just talking, but like big personalities you played with, I would I would argue probably the two biggest personalities or two of the biggest personalities ever in the NBA, Shaq and KG, which of those guys, (laughs) when you compare those guys personalities, who was like the bigger, I think KG maybe was, was he more intense and Shaq was a little more, I don't know, Shaq was probably intense as a player too. Like, how do you compare those guys? as personalities well, not as players.
1: <laughs> um with Shaq, you know, he he has that great sense of humor. And so he he always uh finds a way to show it. And then, you know, what I'm saying like and when I say like he was actually nice to to the other teams because if he really wanted to to be that force, he could really have hurt people, you know what <laughs> I'm saying? Just hurt people. So, um uh, I mean, he he, he wasn't a gentle, he was a gentle giant, but at the same time, you know, he made his presence felt. But he also had the balance of the sense of humor to keep the locker room and his teammates, you know, laughing and and keep everything light. KG, it's he's so locked in all the time, and he has a great competitive like nature. Like everything's competitive, and, and you talk about basketball. Like it's funny because you only see KG. Before the games, on TV, banging his head, you know, on the basketball pad. And then, you know, he's beating his chest like this. But that guy right there, that's how you get ready for practice. That's <laughs> like, no, seriously, that, that's how you get ready for practice. And that's why in, in Boston we had some of the best practices, and he raised the level for everybody's practice habits in Miami. I mean, he's he was there early and there late, but that's how he got ready for practice the same way he got ready for games and some and this is for practice and you talk about probably an hour to 45 minutes of practice and that's how that's how intense he is and, and it's all about business and then maybe on the plane ride here and there you know what i'm saying you know he relaxes a little bit and have fun but as soon as it touched down to the city or game day whatever it may be it's all business are you surprised so I had the best
0: of both worlds yeah are you, huh? are you surprised at how good of an actor he is now <laughs> <laughs>
1: hey he's taking advantage of that opportunity and so uh in in most of those cases that's him being himself too even from the from his look at how he talked like you you could tell him like he's bubbling right now it's just he's focused and locked in and it, it's about business
0: like you know it, it's just that presence that he has. it's amazing so you probably get this question a lot or you probably have gotten it a lot if you don't want to answer it it's cool because i don't you don't want to offend one team or the other but who wins in, a, in an NBA Finals series, the 06 Heat or the 08 Celtics?
1: We still play. And I just say that because, like, we're both competitive. Like, I mean, you can't well, give you us a number. We can we, we, only get seven we, games. We just, No, no, we, we just going to keep running the back. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I, I know that's probably a, a cop on him, but I just believe in um, both teams. They We're just so competitive in that will to win. And I know, you know, you talk about it, it, the seven-game series, but I, we'd just be yeah. a dead lot, you know what I'm saying? Because I just know, like I said, that, just that competitive juice from from those two teams, man, it's it, it, that was real. And, you know, the care for each other, our teammates. So we just – I don't know. we just still be playing, I guess. Yeah, okay, I <laughs> get it. Because no, you'll you pick, you pick up the physicality of it. And then, next thing you know, the NBA just like, yo, you know what I'm saying? Y'all can't even play no more. Like, we had to take a break or something, you know what I'm saying? But it was, I mean, both teams you know, were special and, and similar in the sense of just the competitive spirit. And then you talk about the talent, you know what I'm saying? We would have matched up, we would have matched up well on both ends. How I look at it, and you go from the starting five to the bench players, I think. You know, across the board, both teams will, will, will pose problems for each other. But for me, I'm going to say we, we end up as a tie. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right. Well, then this one, I mean, this one might be tough too, because now we're talking individuals. So you, this, I mean, I was just looking, I, I look back through your whole career. You've had the opportunity to play with, by my count, at least 10, close to at least 10 first ballot Hall of Famers, right? Because you played, you played in Houston with Yao. Pau Gasol was on those that. Grizzly teams. Shaq and D-Wade, KG, Paul Pierce, Round. You played with CP3. GP was on that Heat team. Zo, yeah. if you had to pick a starting five of your former teammates, could you do it? Or if you want, I'll do mine of your former teammates first, and then you tell me what you think. All right. I'm going to go CP at the one. D-Wade at the two. Uh... I guess just based off positions, you got to go with Paul Pierce at the three and then KG and Shaq. I like it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I mean, it's hard to go wrong.
1: It's hard to go wrong. Um, but some of them, I mean, like you said, position-wise, I mean, that's for the position that, that you need to feel. Mm-hmm. They just fall in those slots. I mean, but then, you know, you still, you know, you leave out some people. And maybe, you know, you have a strong bitch as well, so they yeah. can't be too disappointed. But that was your list, and I I, I like it, and I agree with it, and I'll leave it <laughs> at that.
0: Oh, yeah, well, because even on the bench, you played with – shoot. The crazy thing <laughs> is earlier in your career, you had Heat Legends on your early teams. and You played with Timmy. You played with Glenn Rice. Sean Leonard, yeah. like you had some, yeah. of, you had some of the old old school heat players, man. You could put some of them on your bench to get some shooting. That that team's that team's winning.
1: Yeah, yeah, um, man, yeah. You, I've been blessed. I've been blessed.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right, last one. This isn't this is this one. It's a it's a tough. It's the toughest question I think recently, but it doesn't have to do with any of your teams or your teammates. So you can answer this one, all right? And maybe right. unless you don't want to get into it, because some people don't like to. Okay. I heard you talk about when MJ got buckets on you, you didn't mind because it's MJ, right? Like, it's like, <laughs> I, I'm guarding it. It's okay. MJ can get buckets on me, right? You coach LeBron. You want a title with LeBron. Do you get into the GOAT conversation? Are there other people in that conversation for you, or is it just them two? Um.
1: Sometimes I entertain a conversation, and yeah. I look at it where, as far as myself uh, growing up, it was it was MJ. I used to wake up every Saturday morning, pop in my uh, VHS cassette tape of "Come Fly with Me," and I would watch that before I went outside to play. And so it was it was MJ, MJ, and um, you know that's that's all I knew. And then you, you see his competitive nature, you see him winning. You know, at, at the you know at the highest level and consistently winning, and you know he's six and zero, you know, on the biggest stage. Like to me, that's impressive. That's impressive. And just like I say, even different eras, um, you know, the game has changed a lot. Um, so he dominated his era, and like I say, even you know, saying to get to the finals, like he went through some Hall of Famers as well. You know, what I'm saying, and so he, like, you couldn't get past the Bulls. And so mm-hmm. uh, he was a big reason uh, for that. And he had two separate 3 peaks with the same franchise. And to me, that's impressive. Um, and you talk about the changing of times in the game itself where LeBron James, you know, as a player playing against him, it's just competitive, you know, try to shut him down or whatever, you know, try to shut him down and you just want to beat him as a player. But to actually coach him, to see his preparation for the game, uh, to To be around his basketball IQ and, you know, how he makes a team better and the load that he carries on his shoulder, that's impressive too, doing it a different way. Um, you know, and his ability like now, I mean, he, you, you, you say Miami, the Cavs and the Lakers, I mean, to do it in a different, you know, franchises that's, that speaks volumes and is special uh, in itself. So um, those two are my all-time, you know, great, um, and I, like I said, I just look at them from from a different view of of what's you know what's impressive to me and what I like. It's all impressive, but like I said, I still like being 6 no in the finals. Um, so I guess you know, just as far as that, you know, I say MJ, but I also like how LeBron James plays the game. You know, he does it. You know, what I'm saying across the board, and you know, people don't you know like his, you know, his not having a killer instinct, but he managed and plays the game a well-rounded game, I say that, and that's very impressive too, where you, know, you just can't say he's a scorer. He does everything, and he makes those other players um, rise to the occasion as well. So, you know, I'm in love with both of them, you know, their game and what they brought to the game, and like I said, it was just, I mean, as far as MJ, I grew up on him. So, um, the next player, like I said, the next player is LeBron James because of how he played the game, and he made it cool to do the things that he's doing.
0: If he wins two more does 6 and 0 matter anymore if he gets six titles?
1: If, if he wins two more I am happy for him but for me I mean, oh. like I said 6 6 gotcha. and 0 I, I just I just like how that sounds. You know and, <laughs> it sounds pretty and, and good. I mean it's it's if you get there, you know what I'm saying? Like you just I mean, like I said, I'd rather get right. there and be undefeated than I don't know, that's just me. Yeah. All right,
0: I hear you. Hey, but, that, that has... but like I said,
1: I mean, but I mean, like I said, he wins two more. You know, now he has six as well. So I mean, I'm sure it, it'll be an argument of debate. Um, but like I said, I mean, as long as you get them, you have an opportunity to get them. Get them. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you, you yeah, just, for sure. Like I said, it, 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 it's, it's something special when you do it. And like I said, for him to do it for the the uh, franchises that he have, you know, saying you start out on the East and then you go to the West and win it with another story franchise in the Lakers, that's big
0: yeah absolutely james posey thank you so much man heat legend first off off-season episode of believe in miami heat follow uh follow him on at james james underscore posey 41 right on twitter and then uh go ahead and yep. listen to the go ahead and listen to the podcast because it's great man I, I love it i've listened to just about every episode so far it's really good stuff james i appreciate you coming on and and being so gracious with your time with us It's been a great conversation
1: uh, thanks for having me anytime
0: Unbelievable, James Posey! What an interview! Generous with his time, Heat legend, NBA champion. That was really fun. Pat Riley stories, D Wade stories, Shaq stories. That dude has played. He played all over the league, and he he's incredible. Go check, make sure guys, go check out his podcast, Posecast. No, I'm not kidding. There's a ton of NBA podcasts out there, but his conversations are great. They're fun. Uh, He takes a different angle on it a little bit from what the typical podcast does. So go ahead, check it out. I told you we're going to have some big guests. I told you this thing was just getting started. Get ready next week. Another big guest coming on Heat Nation. You're going to love it. And uh, don't forget, as always. Heat Nation. I
1: love you.